Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, Here I am back uh, with Audra, and I just wanted to do a little bit of an intro um, for us again, (laughs) because this is not one part of two, it is like five of 25, and um, we're going to be coming to you a lot more from this living room floor space, because we have been having so much fun having these conversations, and we don't currently see an end to it, so I hope you're loving them. Um, We absolutely are. And I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that um, we're going to be doing this a lot. And also, I will still be having other interviews interspersed and other casual conversations too, because um, I do what I want and I do what is the most fun and um, I'm having the most fun with this. So we'd love to hear if you're enjoying this, please let me know. Um, Please please rate this podcast and give a five-star review if you love it and leave some positive feedback if you have it. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Um, It really helps us get uh, seen by other um, people who might enjoy this podcast. Um, So I hope you love it and I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, loves. Y'all, y'all are used to the used to the chaos by now. <laughs> I love these. I feel like these should be re- episodes that we release on Fridays. Yes, because it's know, just so like it's a chat. It's, it's such a just like chill. It's it's the way that I want to do podcasting. Honestly, like I I yeah. don't know that I have the capacity at this exact moment for like anything that's particularly well thought out. Mm. But I fucking love just like sitting and having a conversation and letting people listen in because we talk about good stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's just like easier. Yes, and maybe we can just do things and that I'm are easier here for easy. <laughs> like things can just be easy. Is, well, the, is the thing? Yeah, it can also be fun. It can be so much fun. I think that's like <laughs> one of the reasons that I've hesitated for so long to start a podcast is I just had this like formula for it in my mind of the way that it needed to be Mm. in order to be successful and then I hit the point where I was like what what if I just like fuck off with successful and just try to do something that's fun Mm -hmm. and then it's just gonna be what it is well and also like if it's fun yeah then more likely to be successful well that too but also you just enjoyed yourself in the process instead of like exactly Exactly. Exhausted by. I don't want to be exhausted by things that I'm choosing anymore. I don't want to choose exhaustion. I'm gonna lay on the floor. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I don't like to choose exhaustion either. But like, I I do it sometimes because I'm I'm stubborn. Well, yeah, me too. I I choose the hard way often. I'm trying to do it less. (laughs) (laughs) I. You know, Sorry, y'all. I have, like, terrible allergies right now. I promise I'm not giving Christy to COVID. But <laughs> I'm 
terrible spring allergies. Everyone who's around me thinks that I have a plague right now. That's very fun. Oh, I'm going to lay on the floor, too. Yeah. yeah. Let's just lay on the floor. Yeah, so allergies in misery. Oh, are... my God. They're the fucking worst. Okay, so there, it's, it is interesting that you bring, <laughs> that you bring up <laughs> being like uh, people thinking that you're you're, you know, giving someone else COVID. Yeah. There's, there's like, um, I know, like, a lot of life coaches and, you know, in my head, I, like, talk to a lot of people yes. <laughs> about, like, um, not caring what other people think about them. That's, like, a, that's, like, a trope from, like, the wellness world of, like, you're not supposed to care what people think of you, but, no. like, that's literally impossible. Yes. Yeah. Um, because we do care. So that's how we're wired. Yeah, it's how we're wired because it keeps us safe and like, you know, it's like an it's not a bad instinct. No. Um, but it like when it's like combined with like a lack of self boundary, I feel like Yeah. Is when it like takes over and like consumes us. Yes. I always refer to it as um I would say like this past year or so I've been exploring that because I I never found any sense of integrity in telling people that I don't care what people think because that's just not fucking true. Right. I care what people think. I don't yeah. prioritize what people think. Uh-huh. Like yeah. that's the that's been the shift that's been really radical for me, just being like, no, I care what people think. Like mm-hmm. of course I'm a human. I'm built for belonging and some part of belonging in our in our like animal bodies requires acceptance. Yeah. Um, like by the collective and yeah. so of course like I'm biologically wired I'm physiologically wired to care what people think what I don't do is make decisions according to that like mm. I let myself feel it and I mean of course this isn't a, this isn't a perfect like process sure um, but like as, as often as I can I care what people think without prioritizing what people think in insofar as it relates to my actions yeah that's tell me tell me like you know if you don't mind yeah never it's almost a zero percent chance i don't (laughs) tell me like what supported you to get to that place um i think it was really just i am a person with a very deep capacity and desire for exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, I will almost never do the same thing twice, like build the same thing twice or like pursue the same thing twice. I'm it's the manifesting generator. It's the manifesting generator. I'm a, an experimenter by nature. Um, and so really, I guess it was like when we left the church and Joshua's mental health started bottoming out the first time. And we were like, um, embracing queerness and like all of the things, all of this stuff started changing. And I felt myself being internally so lit up by the change. Um, and so excited by the possibility of exploration. And it was like, I recognized pretty quickly that all of the fear that I had around that exploration wasn't fear of the exploration. It was fear of what people would think (laughs) if I deviated from the norm. Yeah. Um, And so for me, it was a process of being like, I can care what people like. I can prioritize what people think and live according to that. Or I can be happy. I can't do both. Like (laughs) I'm not built to do both. Both are not in the cards Um, because a part of my joy and thriving 
is predicated on my capacity to explore and to experiment and to try new things. And so like they, those two things were just so contradictory that it was like, I either have to figure out how to deprioritize what people think, or I have to accept that I'm going to, to some extent, live inside a box that someone else created for me and they might be perfectly happy with it, but I feel dead inside. Like I looked at this, I'll show this to you uh, at some point, but um, my Facebook memories popped up with a photo today from 2017. And it was when I was still working for SBU and Joshua was kind of in like a pretty good space with mental health at that point. He had started therapy and started meds. And so he was in like what I would consider one of his seasons of remission. Mm-hmm. Um, if mental illness was a cancer, which it is. Um, but like, I looked at that photo this morning and I was like, Oh, I was dead inside. Mm-hmm. Like my eyes were just like, like, like I was smiling mm-hmm. But like my eyes, there's, it was like the lights were on, but nobody was home. And that was right around the time 2017 was right around the time I was really starting to feel the effects of having built a life that prioritized what other people thought. Cause mm-hmm. everything up until then had been informed by like the expectations placed on me by society at large, by conservative religion, by biological family tradition, all the things um, it is so wild to look at that version of myself at, at this point in time and be like, oh, I had given up so much of my life. Mm. I had given up so much of my life. So I think the thing that has supported me the most in like learning how to deprioritize what people think is literally just the understanding that I can have respectability or I can have a life I love. Mm. And I'm not set up to have both. So I got to pick. <laughs> so it's like a practice. It's a conscious choice. Like yeah. um, every time I go into some new form of exploration, I feel anxiety around what people will think about it. Um, because I very rarely choose a normal path. Um, like something that people recognize as normal. And I still feel anxiety about that every single time. Like anytime I like, reveal a new layer of myself or a new layer of my expansion to the general public. I feel that old, like, Oh shit. Oh shit. This is, they're not going to like this. The default avatars are not going to like this. Um, that I don't fucking care anymore. I want to be happy. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm hearing a few things. First of all, at the beginning, you like, Moving into this space, you had to recognize your own experience was different from people around you. Yeah. In yeah. order to be able to, like, even start that. Yeah. And next, I, what I'm, like, hearing, which is very interesting, and I, I don't think this is the right word for it, but, like, there is a hierarchy of needs when it comes to your life. Mm. so like as far as like who gets a say there is a hierarchy yeah and i think that's a good thing i do yeah there's there's like um and really like ultimately i'm at the top of the hierarchy right like because at the end of the day i'm the person who has to like lay in bed with myself in my own mind 
at the end of the day and like know what I know and feel what I feel and desire what I desire and choose what I choose. I'm the only person who has to live with that experience like inside my body. And outside of that, the second person that I care what think who like what they think about me is my son. Like right. I think all the time about like 37-year-old Holland and mm-hmm. like I give a shit what he thinks about like how I have managed this season of my life. Um just in terms of like how it impacts him. I I care about that. Mm-hmm. There's a very small handful of people at this point that I like that their opinion of the way that I'm moving will like cause me to really swerve. Like it might cause me to pause. Like I, I would say my biological family fits into that, like pause that pause. Um, anytime I'm doing something that I know that they would not approve of, which is most of the time at this point, um, I feel the pause, but I don't swerve based on them. Hmm. Like I don't move my, I don't move out of my lane based on them. Um, there's a very small number of people that at this point move me from pause to swerve Hmm. because really the swerve is just me, my gut, the way that I want to raise my kid, like my values. Like if I can feel that I'm actually out of alignment with my values for myself, for my son, I'll swerve. Um, I will swerve if I'm active, if I find that I'm actively causing someone harm based on the way that I'm like choosing to orient my life. Cause that's part of your value. That is a part of my values. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, I guess that's, I don't know that I'd like process that, but in many ways, like at this point, the only time I swerve is if somebody calls something to my attention that makes me realize I have like moved away from my values. Hmm. And yeah, not causing harm is a massive value for me at this point. Um, so far as it is, <laughs> um, it's interesting. I have such an interesting relationship to the concept of causing harm. I was going to say, can we can we talk about can we, that? Because can we that a little bit? I have some thoughts about this. I have, I have so many thoughts. Um, me giving you a feeling is not me causing harm. Right. It's just not. Like I, I give many people feelings every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people would say that those feelings are harm. Yeah. Like you hurt my feelings. Yeah. Um, causing someone to have a feeling isn't the same thing as causing harm. I'm, I, I want to do a full unpacking of this at some point. I was going to say, like, hold I would on. love to like oh. have like <laughs> a panel of humans, particularly like this is one of those areas I would, I would love to, have a conversation with um that like includes a number of people from more deeply marginalized experiences than mine yeah okay so i i agree that that is that is like what i feel like need needs to be yes. included in like yes. what what con- constitutes causing harm yep. because, because like when i think when i think of like causing a feeling sure like emotional abuse is a thing, right? Like you cause cause my feelings. That's harm. So like, I'm thinking maybe there's like a different, different line in that. Like when I make a, a choice for me, like you feeling disappointed. Yes. About me. You feeling uncomfortable about me. You feeling uncomfortable. It's not harm. Not harm. Because, because then like you've got like 
white people being called out for being racist and yes. them saying you're causing me harm. It's like, well, no, you're being you're being made to be uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable in, right in a situation now. that you should actually be made to feel uncomfortable. That's not harm. Yeah. Yep. I that's been such an unpacking for me. Um, yeah, that's been such an unpacking because there there have been a number of situations in my life that I I um. I, I am someone who causes feelings. That's like, I'm a professional feelings giver is just part of who I am as a person. Um, but not all of that. And I think people, it trends toward being the case that the more privileged intersections you sit in, the easier it is for us to feel like our emotional discomfort is actually someone causing us harm. Which is why... Right, because we've been the most yes. comfortable. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, like, <laughs> discomfort feels like harm. Right. So, specifically, like, in general, if a cishet white dude, like, if if, if one of the, the family members who's very uncomfortable with who I am and the way that I live and lives in a cisgender, heterosexual male body comes to me and says, like, this is causing me harm, I will be like, no, sir. <laughs> There's almost a 0% chance no. that's true. But, like, the more marginalized intersections that you sit at, the less say I have over whether I'm causing you harm. Because my yes. privilege gets in the way of me being able to know what, being able to know what that is and, like, look at it clearly. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. so – I'm. that's a conversation I want to have with, like, a panel of people. I would be so interested in facilitating that, like – um, and a create, creating a space for that conversation to happen because I do think we white people specifically have complete, conflated emotional discomfort with harm. Mm-hmm. That's not, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I got like, I, I was also thinking about this too, with relation to like, I was having a conversation with my partner about this, like about like, um, comedy, right? Like yeah. I, because I was like, what and my like my conclusion at this at this point is like satire and comedy is meant to poke fun at power. Yes. So yes. if you're making fun of someone who doesn't have as much yes. power as you, if you're punching that's down, bullying. No, yeah, that's bullying. That's not. Yeah, it's not funny. No, no, ever. It's just not. So like you cannot. Yes. Make fun of people. Yep. Who have less privilege than you I without being a total. I believe ass. so deeply in the power of comedy as it relates to speaking truth to power. 1,000%. 1,000%. I believe in it for that reason. I think there are so many people who do it so well. Yeah. But like, I I have that exact same sensation. Anytime I, I like experience comedy that is actively punching down. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not what we're doing here. That's, it is 2022. We don't do that at this point. And yet we do it all the time. Like that's, it's still so fucking baked into the fabric it's just not um, funny to me. That's why I thought not, I didn't yes. like comedy for the longest time. I feel it in my body so oh, yeah. deeply. It's I feel it in my body makes so me feel deeply. Sick. Yep. She's like, what am I watching right now? I found that too. It's interesting. Um, in retrospect to unpack, I don't spend a lot of my time with, um, I don't spend a lot of my time with cis men anymore <laughs> in general, just because they barely perceive me as a person. Um, because of the way I present, um, and I'm good with that. That's not unconscious. That's not without effort, but there was a large chunk of my life where I spent a lot of times, like I was always kind of like the girl in the room with all the guys, like just like the, one of the guys girl Yeah, is what I was for a very long time. 
Um, and it's so interesting to look back and see how much of my life I spent in spaces where the entire nature of the like jokes were poking fun at, and sometimes not even poking fun. They were literally just being harmful and violent to women, to queer people. Mm -hmm. And I, even back then, I remember having embodied sensations of like, this is fucking wrong, but I would laugh at it. Sure. Because to to be included, we're trained. Yeah. We're trained to just like be included by the people who hold the most power in the room. Mm -hmm. But it's been so interesting to think how, like how many rooms I sat in where no one would have known that I was uncomfortable, but I was really fucking uncomfortable with the texture of humor being used because it was all sexualizing and homophobic Mm -hmm. and all of these things that like hit at very real parts of my identity that I had not like reconciled with yet. I had not reconciled with myself as a woman. Wasn't safe for you to do so. No, I had not reconciled with myself as a queer person. I, there were just so many, so many rooms I sat in that in retrospect, I'm like, Oh, comedy was being used as a weapon against me. And it was being called a joke. Mm-hmm. And I just like sat for it. I can't. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many times people have said shit to me. And then they're like, Oh, I was joking. Yo God. Yeah. Yes. That's the other it's thing. Like, That's another interesting <laughs> thing about comedy is it's like, it has this inherent protective layer to it, to the, per- for the person delivering the joke. Because at the end of the day, if you don't like the joke, it can always be passed off as like, but you just can't take a joke. Like I I wasn't, I wasn't being serious. It's like very gaslighty. Oh, it's so gross. (laughs) Yeah. I think you, I think you said earlier, like that was one of the reasons you thought for a long time you didn't like comedy and I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I, I am very new to consuming any form of comedy and I'm very intentional about who's art I listen to at this yeah. point because it's still rampant. It's still rampant that we punch down and we make fun of the little guy in the room and we just not build in that world anymore. That's not the direction we're going. No. I have a slap bracelet. Um, my kid got a slap bracelet for Valentine's Day from school and I keep finding myself like playing with it. So if you hear the like popping in the background, <laughs> it's literally why. just me. With a slap bracelet. I love those. With a slap bracelet. I love them. Like, makes me think of my childhood. (sighs) How are you doing today? How's your week been? What's the things? It's like a shit show. Yeah. Um, I I feel like um, I've just, like, been trying to, like, move through a lot of, like, energy and feelings (sighs) and... um, yesterday i like in the morning i like danced for a while to music which was really helpful before a couple calls and that was like like helped me kind of like move through a bunch of that and this morning i did a tarot read i just like i'm in the like i think it's like nine days before my cycle starts whatever the full moon is is when it starts so i'm like in this, in these, I'm in a weird energetic space. Like, yep. I, everything is just like, I'm starting a new like cycle in my pattern. Like the day before my birthday, I started one three days ago. I have like all of them are like massive expansion, and 
there's just like so many big feelings that I'm like, I don't feel ready to do anything or move anything. And I'm just like sitting with all of this, like swarming energy. And then like I did my own tarot read this morning and it was like, it was like, the change is coming will be felt for a lifetime. And like, okay, no pressure. The tower is about to crumble or you're stuck in your, your stubbornness or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Tower energy. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, is my life going to (laughs) end? It just feels, it feels like a lot. And I mean, you just read my chart. Like, yeah, I'm like majority earth. So very stubborn and like, like consistency and predictability. I do. I fucking love it. And I need it. And so I just like, I don't, I don't move easy from what, yeah, I, I wait yeah. until, like, I can't not wait. That's how it's always fucking oh, been for me. Yes. I, and, I, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. I think I think I need I need the space to be fully ready yes. to do something. Yep. Always. Like, in, in my leaving religion, I, <laughs> I, like, drug it out for, like, seven years. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Where it was just, like... Like, one little thing at a time was just like, nah, you know, yes. like, let me think about oh. the queers this year. Okay, God, I'm queer. Okay, Capricorn so energy in my chart relates to this so deeply. <laughs> it's just like this slow, creeping process. Yeah. And like, every in every stage, I just like, hand to my heart, remind my nervous system that I don't yeah. actually have to do anything no. I don't want to do. No, you choose. Yeah, you I'm, choose. I'm the chooser still. And like, you know, it's just like really supportive to remember that. Yeah. But and also just hard to sit with, like like you said, like the swirling energy of just, like, I can feel things trying to shift. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that I am the chooser, Still. I can't get rid of this energy. I can't get rid of the energy of, like, impending change. And yeah. you know yourself well enough to know that at some point you're going to follow the energy. Oh, yeah. Like, the chooser in you is going to follow the energy. 1,000%. Yeah. I'm yeah. just waiting for enough momentum yes. to yeah. build. God for me to jump. It's like, it's yep. like I need the, I'm waiting for the co-creation. Like, Ooh, like yeah. I, I know, I know when things are changing, mm-hmm. but I want the timing to be with the universe. Yes. I yes. don't want to jump <gasps> ahead <sighs> because I need the earth to move with yes. me. <laughs> I think that's such a, I'm so curious to know whether that's just like a, a collective experience right now because I'm doing the same thing like I'm Mm -hmm. I was sitting in a coffee shop yesterday and like I went to the Rising Sovereign Retreat in Joshua Tree um not this past weekend but the weekend before and I'm still like sitting in the energy of that and I go back to the desert in two weeks um Mm -hmm. with my mom and my sister and I can feel this like time between is this very like liminal desert space that feels very sparse and there's like nothing super active happening it's not like this like big, lush, beautiful landscape that is usually what my life looks like. Um, it's very like tucked in and private and quiet and I can't write it. Like I can't like, like I sat in a coffee shop yesterday and it literally felt like I was like looking at the air and there were like all of these sparkling threads of thoughts just like glittering in the air around me, but I couldn't pull any of them out of the air and get them onto paper. Yeah. And I just sat there and it was like, that's when you say that you feel that swirling energy, that's exactly yes. what that experience feels like for me. Yeah. And I just want so badly to be able to pull it down and like put it out. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like out of my body and out of my periphery. Yeah. And we're just, I think we're in such a collective space of that right there where we're just going, yeah. oh, I know there's a move coming, uh-huh. but I'm waiting for like the force of gravity to come with to me. To push it out. Yes. Like I'm waiting for the force of gravity to come with me. It's like giving birth to a child. Like, yeah. You can't, you can't rush God. that. Like transition. You have that, that experience of just like everything in you just wants to like be through transition mm-hmm. and you can't make it happen. Like your body has to come along with you. Yeah. Oh, it's so painful, intense. Oh, yeah. Relate like <laughs> for what it's worth. You're not alone. Yeah. I saw, I saw, uh, Rachel Maddox posted something oh. recently about like, I don't, I don't know exactly what she was go- like going through or whatever, but basically like, one thing that she wrote was that she like at 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 one point like a, I don't know a couple months ago or something she wrote down all the things she was afraid would happen yes. if she sex- stepped into the next phase of yep. who she's becoming and I was like I'm gonna fucking do that yeah I did that same thing I read that same post and had the same instinct of like oh I probably need to do some kind of ritual there because there's <laughs> like a lot of fear narratives when we're in this like season where we can feel a lot of change coming on. Mm-hmm there's so much like anxiety behind that because when things change, things change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And change gonna... feels like death to the it ego, goes, oh which means God. it just feels yep. like you're dying. <laughs> oh God. What's that book that we, that Madison gave us after, um, serve it up. Oh yeah. You are a dream. You are a oh, dream. Such a good book. The whole concept of like, um, the persona mm-hmm. has been truly revolutionary for me. Just Same. like the idea that there's this part of us, there's this piece of us and it's all related to our ego, but mm-hmm. it's entire purpose is to self perpetuate, to keep things the is same. to keep things yep. exactly the same. So like all of the stories that we've always told ourselves about who we are and what we want and what love is and what contribution can look like all of these stories that we're trying to revamp right now, our personas are just going, no, 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 I will die. I will die. I will die in the process of you changing this. And the truth is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you will. You, that, you will that's why. die in the process. That's, <laughs> that's like, it just feels like you're feeling birthing pains right now. Yeah. And also just like the impending grief of knowing that when the birth happens, some shit's going to die in the process. Yeah. So that you've got something new you're building and nurturing and yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that book. That's so good. The persona concept. Like I've heard about the ego my entire yep, life. Same. Reading about the persona, I was like, oh, this shit makes sense. That framing of it was a hundred percent. Like I, like I very much like you, like I've heard about, like I've, I've had so many like experiences in hearing about the ego, but like hearing it presented as that like persona piece that is literally just all it gives a shit about. It doesn't care about our growth. It doesn't really care about our happiness. Mm-mm. It cares about like not changing, status like, quo. Nothing changing, yeah. Constant yeah. status quo, um, survival, and, really. Survival, yep. Yeah. yeah, it's our survival instinct, not thrival. No survival. But we don't want to do that. <laughs> no, it's not the way. It's yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's so much work to be like. Okay, so I think I was telling you about this. My like. My sister's chart looks like real chill compared to mine right now on the pattern. And um, <clears throat> I was talking with my friend Eli about this too because their chart is like as insane as yeah. mine. And um, they were saying, and I deeply relate to this, that like 
are like who we are as people as people who are like just however we are energetically yeah. are the people who lean into this shit anyway yep. like we're energetically always. we were fucking designed to have this kind of yes. level of stuff going on yep. and changing us that we like participate yeah. in and move with. Like it's just how we were meant to it's be. It's been this interesting process. I've, um, God, I relate to that. There's been like um, this shifting in the past few years of just like relationships. And there have been a number of like friendships that have fallen out of alignment um, and some of them that I'm still working with right now to try to like reconcile or like find a new homeostasis for. Um, but one of the things that I've been realizing is that like, there are people, there have been people in my history who I think their work in this world, literally like what they came in with, what their soul chose when they came in was to learn to be at peace with what is like mm. that very, and, like, there's a sense of um, rootedness and groundedness, and they feel deeply content with things staying the same. Hmm. Like, with just, like, this is my life, and it's beautiful, and I'm going to learn to find the beauty and the magic in, in, like, blooming where I have been planted. Yeah. And, like, it's been so interesting as I've learned to find... Because five years ago, Otter would have called that complacency. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think for some people, that really is the journey. Is like mm-hmm. they are here to be planted and to find a way to bloom where they are planted. Yeah. We are not built for that. No. And so there was like, <laughs> in ways, like this constant tension in those relationships of like, I'm like moving and moving and moving and moving. And they can't figure out why I can't just, like, sit the fuck down and, like, not be, not be, like, chill. Just, yeah, literally just, like, chill the fuck out, smoke some weed and call it a day. Um, but I've, like, learned how to have compassion for both of us because I'm, like, oh, I just think that exactly what Eli said, like, you and I, like, our wiring, our breed, our brand did not come into this universe to like bloom where we're planted. No. We came to explore and to find new places to plant and bloom mm-hmm. for various periods of time. Yeah. Um, and that will probably mean ultimately that there are some people that we have f- fairly significant incompatibilities with mm-hmm. simply because our purpose here is not the same. They're both equally valid. Sometimes I envy it all the time. I envy it actually like there are pieces of me pretty much every day that are like, could I just not have this brain? <laughs> like, could I just not? But also no, thank you. Yeah. Like my brain. It's like a, it's like a continual like shift. Like, because yeah. the, especially like even the, the specific like, calling if you want to call it that on on both of our lives is like to be in service of of people on an individual level working with growth and working with working with overcoming obstacles and moving through like significant blocks and and healing and like that doesn't happen by us staying the same there's like motion implied 
like the work yeah. that we're here to do. There's yeah. just like forward motion implied, and That's literally why I like why my soul picked yeah. this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Same. Because it feels like the most natural yes. thing in the world, even though yeah. it scares the shit out of me. Same. And like, I think there's also so much like there can be so much grief in this part because I think especially as we're coming into these like fuller and fuller expressions of ourselves, um, what I'm learning is, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. Um, like my instincts recently that I'm like at a place in my life where I'm looking for my equals Mm -hmm. and it's not equals like hierarchy, like either one of us are better or more evolved or any of the things, but like I'm, my soul, I have spent so much time in my life attaching to humans whose fundamental purpose on this planet is to bloom where they're planted. Mm. And then inevitably I leave and like move forward. And so there's been so much grief in my history around like, there are these like big, beautiful relationships with people that I loved and still love. And like, they just fell apart in my hands for reasons that at the time I was like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? And in retrospect, I can see that like I'm hitting a point where I need to be side by side with people who are also doing the like sprint (laughs) off into the distance. I just noticed something. Can I tell you? Oh my God. Say everything. Yes. Because like, what if what if we're drawn to the people who are rooted in planet because we've found our rootedness in them yeah. and we're now moving oh, into a place where need, we need to trust ourselves. our own oh. rootedness. That feels irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we've always been, we've been, It's like the difference between external resourcing and internal resourcing. We spent so much of our lives, like trying to find that sense of stability in, in places where it felt obvious because I do, I like, I look at those people and I envy them and I like admire them for their capacity um, to not always be chasing the next horizon. Mm -hmm. I think I've looked at that as a deficiency in myself and so I like looked for that rootedness in other people. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like we're finally hitting the point where I'm, I, it's possible to be someone who's always moving for the next horizon, but is also deeply fucking rooted in self. Yeah. Like, and I don't need to create that externally from someone else anymore. I don't need to like source that. Uh, God, that's, that's going to be a therapy thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. This is why I pay you the big bucks. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Love y'all. Appreciate you. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.